CJSW 90.9 FM and CMRU Radio in Calgary. I'm Buxaganaki, Grace Heavy Runner, and welcome to Indigenization Across the Nation. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge the land we stand on. This is Treaty 7 territory, which includes Ghana, Siksika, Bigani Nation, Tutina, Stony Nakoda, including Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. Our land is also home to our Métis brothers and sisters. My name is Dr. Savannah Howes, and I am a Métis veterinarian that practices in Drayton Valley, Alberta. Um, I'm originally from Bicycle, so just north of Calgary, um, but I moved further north because I really like trees and they do more of them up here. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I'm, I've uh, been featured in a documentary style TV series that's airing on APTN this spring. Um, we are currently also filming season two and the program is called Wild Rose Vet. And it kind of follows me around the day-to-day happenings of the clinic while also exploring issues like Indigenous identity, um, also following my volunteer work, uh, going to all sorts of different Indigenous communities. Dr. Savannah brings us on her journey when she started working with animals. Growing up, I was in 4-H projects, so I was already working with animals like in like grade six, um, so since I was little. And I also had a small business when I was a kid in Bicycle where we would um, provide things like pet sitting services and that kind of thing. So kind of just a very long time, but like as a professional, um, right from high school, I went to the University of Alberta and I did some research projects with, with poultry while I was there and worked at a doggy daycare and all sorts of good stuff that way. And then when I got to vet school, um, did more research projects there, um, also worked at the teaching hospital there. And now I've been practicing vet med for nine years out in Drake Valley. This series, Dr. Savannah Wild Rose Vet, will be available to stream on APTN Network um, on demand. And you can also catch the episodes live on APTN um, on TV every Wednesday. You can also find it streaming on Cottage Life on demand. I want to say three focuses of the show, and one of them is going to be on Indigenous um, indigenous things, so like Indigenous identity, culture, um, volunteering in different Indigenous communities, so you're going to see that in lots of different ways. Um, we actually go to Sisika uh, for, um, we bring uh, some dogs to the city to have them spayed, neutered, and bring them back home again, uh, that kind of thing, and another thing that we really show is what rural life is like, so that we're showing what it's like to live in an area that's outside of the major cities um, and very remote communities. So places like uh, Wabasca, Cambridge Bay, just really like further north types places. Um, And then also showing what veterinary medicine can be like. So we're showing things like wildlife medicine, um, large animals, small animals, exotics, all of those kinds of things. Um, So there's kind of those different storylines kind of throughout the, the season. I was really happy we managed to actually incorporate all three major Indigenous groups of Canada. So we've got Métis culture, we've got uh, some Inuit, and we also have uh, First Nations as well. We kind of touch on all three. 
Dr. Savannah shares her personal thoughts and perspective on animals. What's really been evolving over the course of my career is learning how appreciating animals as an individual, appreciating them as they are, as opposed to what we want them to be. And then also appreciating the different ways that they fit into our lives. And I hope, I really, really hope that that comes across in the show because I really wanted to highlight how the relationship that First Nations have with dogs, for example, and horses is a bit different than the relationship that the Inuit have with their dogs, which is a bit different from how, say, people in an urban setting will have a relationship with their animals. So I just really want to kind of highlight that there's so many different ways to interact with animals, to love animals, and to reciprocate that. And I think that there's a lot of negative stereotypes that, you know, maybe um, Indigenous groups don't care for animals the same way that other peoples do. Um, and so I really wanted to dispel a lot of those, a lot of those myths and those misconceptions that it's more just they have a different worldview about um, the way that we interact with animals. Um, I always affectionately say that uh, the res dogs that I work with have um, exponentially better mental health than most of the dogs I see that live in backyards. <laughs> um, like they just, they're allowed to, to be dogs, right? Like they're, they're, they're given the space and the respect to live the way that they're meant to. And the way that is really fulfilling to me to see them that, you know, they're being respected as like guardians they're being respected as protectors and they're allowed to, you know, display all these normal behaviors that they're meant to do. Right. And I don't think a lot of people see that when they see free roaming dogs on the res, they see, oh, you know, they're neglected and by themselves. And I'm like, that's not true at all. Like, <laughs> these are some of the friendliest, happiest dogs you're going to find. And they're so well adjusted and, and happy with how they're living. Um, and I just find unless unless you've had a chance to actually work with these populations, most people in the vet community and in the rest of the world don't really understand that or appreciate it. So I like to support initiatives that support that lifestyle um, and that also support the people in the community because occasionally you'll get dogs that are kind of disruptive to the community. And so to give like ways to manage them and to manage the dogs in a way that respects that lifestyle, I think is, is really important to me. The showings will include the beauty and diversity of the Cree language and in English. Actually, it was a, a pleasant surprise. I didn't know they were going to translate it, and I'm really happy that they did, um, because that that does come up in the in the show where there's this kind of reciprocal teaching where um, my new graduate, Dr. Patra, who's also Métis, she's very in tune and, and connected to her culture, um, and so you kind of see this exchange happening where I'll I'll give her knowledge about veterinary medicine and then she'll trade it with cultural knowledge. <laughs> um, and like, for example, we have uh, the Cree word of the day up in our office and then I'll make her, <laughs> I'll make her write a new word and teach me how to say it and what it means and everything. Um, and then I'll go and help her like interpret some dog's blood work, you know, like it's very <laughs> give and take. Um, which is really cool. So when I saw that they were actually uh, translating it in decree, I was I was super excited about that. Um, I just think that's that's really really cool because uh, yeah, I was. We also then cracked a joke like, hey, why is it not in Michif? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, Northern Michif Cree, it's it's pretty close. <laughs> According to Women in Views 2021 on-screen report, Indigenous women continue to remain sorely underrepresented in media. For example, of the 43% of women in key creative TV roles in 2019, only 6.44% were Black women and women of color, and 0.94% were Indigenous women. 
And though 50% of all TV directors were women, only 12% were black women and women of color, and less than 1% were indigenous women. The same disparity exists across every measured category. Despite these statistics, the landscape is changing as we start to see more opportunities for Indigenous women rising to the surface. With this, Dr. Savannah Wild Rose Vet, which has already been renewed for a second season for APTN, um, they they are working with Wapanatuck Media, who has seven Indigenous women working um, on, on, on their team and they're working on the series through editing, writing, and producing roles. I'm not in it for, for money or for fame. Like I'm doing it to support basically indigenous and marginalized groups, right? So like that's that's the reason to, to do this kind of thing. Um, and so the fact that this show, if it's successful, will be helpful for uh, that company, I think is really important. Um, there's also been a lot of involvement of Indigenous women in, on like the writing and producing front. Um, and uh, this season, we actually also have a, uh, a director who is Haida, and she's, uh, and she's been working on it this season as well. Uh, we've got some writers that are like most of pretty much almost like most of the writers, a lot of them are, are Indigenous. Um, some of them are Métis, some of them are First Nations. Um, so it's been really great to be working with a company that's really, it's about in, they're, they're doing Indigenous media and it's being done by Indigenous peoples. And so it's very much like Indigenous voices that are bringing forward the stories that they want to show and they want to showcase. So it's nice rather than having like you know, having like a community under a microscope because like some company in Toronto that's, you know, staffed by people who don't care um, are making like this little film or something like that and then leaving. It's very much like building up um, local skills. It's building up um, resumes. It's building up experience. And it's really showcasing Indigenous voices in a way that we want them to be shown because it's ourselves that are doing it. So it's really nice. That kind of representation is rare to find in the industry. So it's nice to be a part of that. Thank you, Dr. Savannah, for being on our show. Catch Dr. Savannah Wild Rose Vet on demand on APTN. Now let's listen to Alan Eobomswin, a multimedia artist from Abenaki Territory out east. Here's her beautiful song, Odana, from her album, Bush Lady. Come 
Across the Nation music team alongside Grace and Spencer. And I wanted to share this story that my uncle Agar, uh, Clarence Agar Wolfleg, shared with me um, last month. Um, and it's a story about wolves and, and, the, and Blackfoot, the Blackfoot relationship with wolves. And my um, my uncle uh, is a wolf leg, so he's a part of um, the family clan that is naturally that that is naturally um, story carriers um, of of the wolf story. So it's very special to be sharing um, this story with you from 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 the mind of a wolf leg too. So um, so how you say. Uh, wolf in Blackfoot is Mekoyi, Mekoyi, and that's wolf in Blackfoot. Such a cool, such, wolves are so cool. Anyways, so Mekoyi, the wolves, they were the first animal to help human beings. One winter, there was a family that was camped in the snow. They didn't have any food. They were hunting, but to no avail. From a distance, Makoi and his brothers were sitting on a hill, watching them. 
They knew the humans were going to perish if they didn't help them. So they came down the hill. And as they did, they took the form of warriors. Because in their world, when they came into our world, they become like us. And when they got to the family, they told them, we'll bring the meat. Come with us to our camp. We have a winter camp. All the animals, the birds, all the other beings are going to be coming to this camp. The family said, okay, and they brought them to the camp. Every day, different animals came into the lodge. A lot of the times, they would sing, sing their songs and bring their medicines. They, and then they would take a respected place in the lodge and, and then tell the family how they survived out there in that harsh environment. All winter, animals kept coming, and they would share their knowledge. Towards spring, the McCoy had to say to the family, we will help, we will help you make a, a new camp, because now that we have to go, and we have to go look after our little ones. And the trees, they'll have to go look after the little ones. And all of life out there, on the water, under the ground, in the air, they've all got little ones to look after. We've got to make sure everything works together underground, what we eat, and the water, it, it all keeps us alive. These were the kind of teachings they would share with the family. How do, how do we know, though, you're going to be still with us, Makoi? the family asks. We won't be far away, Makoi assured. That's why our family, the wolves at night, they point their faces to the sky and they howl. They're sending a message, message saying, where are you, grandfather? Where are you? And our grandfather says, he will always be close. They will always be close. There's going to be a road across the sky, and they'll be running back and forth, keeping an eye on, keeping an eye on us. And that's why us wolves howl, lonesome for our families up there. And what we call the Milky Way today, that is the Mekoyi Eskoyi, the wolf trail. The family went and taught everybody what they learned at the winter camp. No matter where you go, the Mekoyi were the first animals to help mankind. And with the help of the rest of the animals, Mekoyi taught humans how to hunt and survive, and of stars, seasons, earth and of beings. Some springs, that trail doesn't show in the sky. Maybe when we aren't being attentive to the lessons of the Makoyi or to the directions of all of these animals on Mother Earth. And, and yeah, that's why we have to maintain um, the, a respect and a certain, um, a certain, certain connection with animals. It's, it's, it's really important because in the society we are taught to almost fear animals. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a victim of that, of course, because I'm, I'm, I, I fear being, being attacked by wolves all the time. Um, and if I go out on a hike, I'm, I'm really scared to be like attacked by wolves or eaten by wolves. So, so it was really special to hear the story from my uncle Agar Wolfleg, um, because it, it makes me a lot less 
scared of wolves, especially knowing that they were the first animal to help human beings in the first place. And and they they are they are they are um looking after our well being. They they I don't I don't believe that they necessarily want want to hurt us. And um and I don't believe we should be fearing that they, they want to hurt us just because they have scary teeth and everything. Um they're they're animals that are just like they're super strong, powerful animals, and um, and just there has there's just gonna have to be respect and stuff like that when we encounter them or or are around areas with them. Um, but we have to just know not to be like scared of them. Like they 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 want what's best for us too. And I mean, after all, they they are the um, um, ancestors of of dogs who are who are our best friends so <laughs> so anyways thank you for letting me share the story of the mccoy Iksugapi. thank you hannah for sharing let's finish off the show with a few songs from tanya takuk's new album tongues this is her fifth album described as her most defiant album to date and incorporates poetic passages from her 2018 novel split tooth Here's the title track from the album, Tongues. Enjoy. I don't want your 
God. I don't want your God. Put him down. Put him down. I don't want your shame. I want to come. doesn't belong to me You can't have my tongue
That was the song Colonizer, performed by Tanya Takuk from her new album, Tongues. Thank you for tuning in. Indigenization Across the Nation is brought to you by myself, Grace Heavy Runner, Hannah Miniguns, and Spencer Burgess. Tune in every last Tuesday of the month on CJSW to hear our show.